0: Welcome to Nourish and Shine, where I talk with passionate leaders in the fields of nutrition, functional and integrative medicine, and wellness, providing inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and live a whole vibrant life starting now. Welcome to season three. It's been a nice little break, but I'm excited to be back with you guys. And I have such a good lineup this season. I cannot wait to share each of these interviews with you. So today I'm talking with Sarah Clark. She's a certified life coach with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She shares today her own fertility journey and how she now works with women on the same journey who are dealing with infertility. She has the website, Bab Fertile, and also the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, She has so many great practical tips that she shares this episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Nourish and Shine. Today I'm talking with Sarah Clark. She's a fertility coach and author, and I am so excited to talk with her today. So Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yes. Thank you so much. And I'd love for you to tell our audience about yourself.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't think anyone that becomes a fertility coach usually kind of plans to be a fertility coach, people that I've spoken to, uh, and that definitely was not my plan, so I had my own um, journey with infertility, and I remember my early 20s, I was in HR at the time, and I was feigning myself, and thinking I was having a menopausal hot flash, and it turns out that I was, so at, at that time, I had uh, regular periods, and I was getting my period maybe once or twice a year, I had, um, I had great skin in my teens, and all of a sudden, I started getting... Acne on my chin, and then I had um, some yeast infections going on, and then I also had this weird fungal rash in my chest. So I always had this plan that I'd get married at 25 and my kids at 28. So uh, when I had these little, these some of these weird health issues going on, I um, went straight to my doctor and I was placed on the hormonal birth control pill. So I was on the pill, Uh, the acne didn't go away, I'll say the periods um, synced up, but when I went off the pill again, when I decided want, we wanted to have kids at 28, I um, the periods were still irregular. So I went to my OBGYN, and that's where I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure, which is the loss of function of the ovaries before age 40, and really uh, told me the only option to have kids was using donor eggs. I remember leaving the office going, I don't know what the heck just happened. And um, but I went on a, on a list for donor egg. This is back... Um, almost 18 years. My daughter is about to go off to university, so we got the um, donor profile in the mailbox. So this just seems kind of archaic, but um, got it in the mailbox, and we selected it. And we were on the first fresh fresh transfer. We were lucky enough to have our daughter, and and then we had two embryos left over. Wanted to um, have our kids close together, so after a year, went back in there. I was sort of bound and determined to to have them close together, and I was you know stressed out. And um, so, so unfortunately, that, those two didn't, didn't uh, stick. And then went back in there, um, get on a, on a separate list for another donor egg. A, and we're lucky enough to have our son, um, who's about 15 now. So, um, and then sort of fast forward, after I had my daughter, my health took a nosedive. I had, um, I think it was like nine colds in one year. Every, every cold went to a sinus infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every sinus infection. Not a good idea. Just totally destroyed my my um, my gut health, and then I had chronic bladder infections. Was peeing blood. Became allergic to all the antibiotics I was using for the bladder infections. Didn't even know what to do at that point because I was backed up against the wall with the, the chronic sinus sinusitis, the chronic bladder infections, chronic yeast infections, vertigo, dandruff, toenail infections. All this, you know, these these issues. And I was really, I was still functioning, still doing my thing, but my immune system was just pathetic. And so um, I was still I was still in HR at the time. I decided to take a life coaching course, bring it into the corporate environment, and that's why then I had my own personal wake up call and, and discovered I really liked health and wellness. Took a health health coaching course, and that's why I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, uh, I'm sensitive to gluten and dairy, and then later discovered corn. Um, and a few years, years later, after that. Um, so I started making those those dietary changes, and lo and behold, the sinus infections started going away. The bladder infections went away. The yeast infections subsided. Um, and then a couple of years after that, did some gut testing. Found I had um, some multiple gut infections, so streptococcus and fungal overgrowth and H. pylori. And then um, and then I then making lifestyle changes as well. But for me, I didn't discover this until I was 40. It was fully in menopause. It was too late for me. And really, my message is: if you're still cycling naturally, there's things we can do using the tools of functional medicine, nutrition, functional health coaching to really dig to the bottom of why this is not
0: working. And you mentioned that you discovered early on those food sensitivities. How did you find those out?
1: Yeah, so I uh, at the time I did electrodermal testing, which which um, like we, we now we use blood testing um, for the testing that we use, but electrodermal testing just kind of looking at your not sure exactly how it works, but um, that's where I discovered I had that, those food sensitivities. And also I, I did an elimination diet at, at that stage as well. And um, yeah, I just, when I started making those changes, lo and behold, um, a lot of those chronic issues started to subside.
0: Yeah. And how long do you think it took to actually start seeing improvements once you started cutting out those things? Yeah, it's like probably
1: like bear in mind with the, with the bladder infections, I infections, I was just getting them all the time. So it, like, it was probably a couple of months before, yeah, just my immune system was, was not, it was just, everything was on high alert. So I was just always just run down sickly. Although, you know, I was still functioning. I wasn't bedridden, but, but I was, you know, not functioning optimally, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And how did you come to find functional medicine then? it was this is kind of this organic thing where I found the food sensitivity.
1: Um, so I found the food issues with me and then I found the functional testing with food sensitivity testing. And um, I was really looking for the for the root cause of why, why we have you know disease or illness instead of in conventional medicine. Basically it's, it's just, it's naming it and then prescribing a pill Whereas functional, it's kind of like looking at the root cause of why it's there to begin with. So then I found, um, the, the lab testing. And then I developed my program. I've connected with a, um, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. So we. So she's on my team. We run the our couples coaching program together. So she does the, the functional testing, interprets that, and then does a protocol. And then um, we coach people through it. So um, yeah, it was kind of my own journey of then me taking some of these tests, taking the Dutch test, doing the GI map test, doing the the food sensitivity testing and, um, practicing on myself first and going, oh my goodness. And each time I'd be like, wow, I'm really feeling really great. And then I take a test and I'm like, oh damn, this has been missed. And <laughs> then I'd, I'd go deeper because even with the gut infections, I'm like, are you me? I thought it was just the food sensitivities. Oh no, streptococcus. Oh, you know, H. pylori, I didn't have any of the symptoms of H. pylori, you know, GERD or acid reflux or any of that stuff. Um, and, and even when I said, I've never had any digestive issues, as soon as I said that, then I started getting digestive issues. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was an interesting thing as you is, I, I find most people that discover functional medicine, nutrition, health coaching kind of side of things. It, it, um, they have their own journey for themselves as to how they found it.
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned, sometimes as you quiet, like the loudest problem, other problems kind of come up um, as you start feeling better. One thing I wanted to talk with you about for sure is um, mindset and emotional well being during fertility struggles.
1: Yeah. So when I was going through this, Premature ovarian failure, like you'd go on, an, on a forum and there'd be, you know, this is the internet, this is 18 years ago. So it was, wasn't even, it was nowhere near what we have today. So it was this kind of very old fashioned clunky forum and basically saying, you know, your only options are donor eggs and, you know, this, and, and end of the road kind of thing. Um, my friends were all getting pregnant, so they didn't really understand it. I've got a very um, uh, good relationship with my husband. So we, I talked to him a lot about it. And really, um, I asked a couple of friends if they wanted to be donors, and that that didn't work out. Um, so we we did an anonymous um, donors. But yeah, it was. Um, I'm a, I'm a very I, I coach people that are dealing with a POF diagnosis and of how people get pregnant with a naturally with a POF diagnosis or low AMH. So basically, being told that donor donor eggs are their only option, and looking at functional medicine, we you know we can dig deeper. But um, and everyone handles it differently. So, um, and some people don't even want to actually look at it naturally. They're like, okay, there's a diagnosis and I can't even get my mind around that. It might not work. It was just, it's too stressful for them. So they just go straight to donor So That's fine. Everyone's different. So for me, I took the diagnosis. I didn't get a second opinion. I didn't even think any of those health issues I had were connected. I just went straight to the fertility clinic and luckily enough, it worked for me. Um, I see people that have gone straight to the fertility clinic and after, Six, seven failed cycles, you know, and multiple failed cycles, multiple failed IUIs, IVFs, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, it still hasn't worked. Um, people think, you know, you go to the fertility clinic, that's the first step. To me, that's the absolute last step. Like the, the majority of us can, can, can get pregnant naturally. Why do we need to run there and spend tens of thousands of dollars and really let's focus on our preconception health because, um, you know, it's impacting our postpartum period? I had. I look back now What I realized was more postpartum rage rather than postpartum depression. I wasn't like a, like a lunatic or anything, but I was, um, irritable and cranky and just like not happy. And cause my, my, my preconception health, I didn't focus on it on any of these issues. And then I had all those, you know, those colds and my immune system was horrible. Um, and then both my kids have food sensitivities cause I didn't focus on the, the, the preconception health. And, um, and so just predisposes them them to that as well. So like emotionally it would be I was just like, okay, this is my plan A, I'm going here to donors. Plan B, if that doesn't work, I'm gonna take a trip around the world with my husband. Plan C, we'll adopt. I was very like, okay, let's do it. And I I really I'm very um like positive minded, I guess. And so um I visualized it it working. And luckily enough it it did. Um, but a lot of people will get this diagnosis and it's quite a devastating diagnosis. And, um, I didn't take any time to grieve. I was, I literally didn't even cry about it until, I don't know, maybe three or four months later when I wanted to get a dog and my husband's like, I don't think I want to get a dog. And I'm like, I want to get a dog. and so I just lost it when he's like, I don't want to get a dog. And so we got a dog, but, um, yeah, like I, I, I didn't talk, talk about it a lot. And I, I process my, my emotions with, by, by talking. So I didn't bottle anything up, but, um, everyone's different. And I guess going forward with people that I help now, it's, it's more to everyone's on their own journey and they've got, you've got to do what feels right for you. Um, I started the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast to really help people know that like there is another way that IVF is there for you, but it's only, it's an average, and IVF is a 30% success rate when, and it could take three cycles and it costs of 60 K. So why is that the first step? Why don't we look to actually prepare both you and your partner? And although it's mostly women that come to me, it, like, what about the partner? We own, we own the beginning. I was just coaching women and now, and now we, co- we coach couples because it's both partners. Health is equally important. So I why, love why,
0: that. And that's yeah. such a nice shift is to take it off, like the full focus off of the women. Yeah. To also include the male. uh, Absolutely. And or same sex too, if they're, if they are going
1: IVF, but yeah, Mm -hmm. include the partner. And if, and if there are people, there's also, there are single women that I help as well. So, um, Mm -hmm. but for her to get, to get coaching and help through, you know, through this, if she's, if she's doing it by herself, but, but yeah, it is. Cause it can be very, um, people get a lot of obsessed with everything fertility and then put everything in their on their, and their life on hold, I, um, I definitely, I don't think i become, well, I don't know if I was obsessed, maybe a little bit obsessed, you know, with it back then, because everyone around me was having, having children. Um, and so, but, it, but when you start looking at all aspects of your life and doing some empowering things, like diet, lifestyle changes, you, you, even if, even if your relationship wasn't in trouble, you you, you end up bringing it closer together because you guys get to be on the same page. And and sometimes people, they actually, the majority of people that I work with are couples that are in love and they want to have a baby. There are some couples that, that we work with that they end up, they're, they decide it's not for them. So it's, uh, they have to, you have to kind of see what what works for you. So just to circle back on the mindset piece, so the mindset piece is huge. We run we we run mind body fertility groups uh, twice a year, and really making those foundational mindset shifts, like um, um, adding in like meditation, affirmations, visualizations, you know, talk therapy, being able to talk about what's going on in 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 a group of women that are going through this, or or with a coach. The, the mindset piece is huge. There's studies from Alice Domar. She's a Harvard researcher from, um, she's a researcher from Harvard, and um, she has um, studied this for over 20 years. So she has groups and women in her group that do these, these, these mindset changes are able to, 55% of them are able to get pregnant within six months. And then within two years, um, 95% become a, become a mother somehow. So the mindset shifts are very, very, very important. And you can eat the healthiest diet you want, but if you haven't got your, your mindset and in check that that's a missing link but yeah as far as the, the diet piece we um, we start out with an elimination diet uh, so taking out the top allergens which are uh, dairy gluten soy corn peanuts and eggs so you take those out for 10 days then systematically reintroduce them and see how so it's really the gold standard to see how food impacts your body because you can get that food sensitivity test and um, it could come back that you're intolerant to all your favorite foods which then may, may mean that you have either leaky gut or intestinal permeability so your body's mounting a immune response to your favorite foods. And it's, it can be disheartening. You're like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to eat? But the elimination diet, you're like, wait a minute, this is how it makes me feel. And then you can use the, the food sensitivity de- um, test to tweak it. Um, so the food sensitivity test, I don't think is completely necessary, but, but for people in a, with fertility, we typically use it just because it, it, it everyone's in a panic they all want to have their, everyone wants to have their family. doesn't matter how old they are. They want to expand their family now. So this just really tweaks it and, and, and kind of fast tracks it. So we know exactly, um, what diet works, works for you. Cause it's different for everyone.
0: As far as lifestyle goes. So definitely tuning in and figuring out food sem- sensitivities, working on mindset. Are there any other areas that you guys look at?
1: Yeah, sure. So, so we look at the food sensitivity testing, and then we do the Dutch test. We look at so that looks at your your hormone, um, your hormones t- uh, looks at your hormones using urine. So that looks at your sex hormones, your cortisol, your melatonin. It kind of really figures out exactly where your which pathways your hormones are going down. And then we look at the the stool test, the GI map stool test. Again, what I was talking about with looking for parasites and. Um, bacterial infections and fungal infections. And then we do the hair tissue mineral analysis. So those are the, the, the four um, tests that we do. And then we will then develop a protocol based on those testings. Those tests don't guess based on the, based on the testing. And then it's really kind of where the rubber hits the road to make these, these changes. So you've got the, the roadmap now, but now you've got to make, make the changes. And that's where the coaching really comes in. So looking at um, movement that's right for you, looking at sleep hygiene, we work on sleep hygiene with people for months. So it's really, you know, getting people to go to bed before 1030 or 10. Um, you know, getting that seven to nine hours or feeling seeing what how much sleep is right for you, if you're waking up multiple times, or you can't get to sleep. So working on all that sleep hygiene, minimizing the, the blue screens. So looking at uh, blue light blockers, um before you go to bed cuz that that'll help with melatonin production so you want to put your your screen on night mode or or use these these blue light blocker glasses um taking all your technology out of your room um don't charge the phone by your by your bed so the emf's um and really yeah so there that's the um the sleep piece and then looking at environmental toxins so um, having people look at their personal care, their um, cleaning chemicals. So you go to the Skin Deep database on the environmental working group, uh, so ewg.org, and then you can see your current uh, personal care to see um, how, how toxic it is. And so you want to not you know throw everything in the garbage that you have right now, but as it starts to um, run out, then you can start looking at a, a, um, a non-toxic option. Um, and your plastics, you want to, uh, uh move away from plastics, especially for men as well. And your cleaning products, um, your water, you want to make sure it's filtered. I like the, um, uh, Berkey or you can start with the Brita, but it doesn't, it doesn't filter out everything. But for years, I was just drinking tap water, but tap water is filled with all sorts of contaminants. So really to, to make the switch. So those, I guess there's like, there's, there's five um, different stressors on the body. So the food sensitivity and every single person that comes to me says they don't have a problem with it. They don't have a food sensitivity and they don't have, um, and they, they eat a clean diet. Well, when we do the testing, we do the elimination diet, I'd say a hundred percent of people have a food sensitivity. Um, a gut infection. So we're dealing with not a sick population, the people that are in, are dealing with infertility, but they're trying to have a baby. So, um, but, but typically um, the majority of people will have a gut infection, parasite, bacterial infection, fungal infection. So we clear that up. The environmental toxin is a stressor on a body. So we talked about the, um, your, your cleaning chemicals, your personal care, your plastics, your, your water, all those environmental toxins that we're all exposed to and really switching over to, um, hundred percent, or hundred percent organic and then the next one we talked about before with mindset, the um, the mental, emotional side of this, so really getting honest about your stressors. And then the last one is the structural stress. So if you've got a, you know, an alignment or um, so a pinched nerve, that causes stress. So really looking at those stressors. I think a lot of us will think about the mental, emotional side of it, but we won't, I don't think anyone would have, would have thought about the food sensitivity or the gut infection. Those are ones, maybe the environmental toxins, people have started to switch out their you know, their feminine hygiene and things like that. And maybe if you've got a pinched nerve, you've addressed that, but those other ones I think are missed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think even sometimes that environmental piece is really, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to hormone disruptors, I think there's, they're all over the place. And sometimes even if you're trying to clean up some areas, you may be missing others. So I love that you mentioned the EWG skin deep database. I think that's a great resource. Um, how about when it comes to foods? Are there certain foods that you think everyone should have for fertility or that you really recommend um, when you're looking at fertility? And are there certain things that across the board you kind of recommend people avoid even maybe before a food sensitivity test?
1: Yeah. So we so we will start everybody with that elimination diet, taking out the top allergens. Uh, like there's all sorts of these fertility superfoods that people are doing Um bee pollen and maca and, um, uh, royal jelly and, you know, and all obviously like the, the healthy fats are really important. So avocados are good and salmon and, um, but I think, I think it's, it's more to customize this with the elimination diet, see if there is an, any kind of, um, inflammation going on and take out the inflammation. And then if you're, cause if your body is wants to, um, survive. It doesn't want to, to, to procreate. So really digging into it that piece and then using the food sensitivity test to tweak it even further. And then if you have an autoimmune disease, which we see a lot of people, either it's undiagnosed, they come to us and it's undiagnosed, a bunch of people with undiagnosed, either celiac or Hashimoto's. And um, then going from elimination diet, doing an autoimmune protocol diet, taking it that step further. And I've got, uh, Dr. Rob, um, Abbott coming on the podcast on on my podcast in a couple weeks and talking about the efficacy of the AIP diet with, um, uh, with Hashimoto's and really within a 10 week study. And so they didn't reverse antibodies, but it, um, it, there was a huge, a huge number of factors they looked at that, that, that was improved with people that had Hashimoto's doing the AIP diet. So um, that can be really important. Those would be the two ones that we typically look at, but it's more, okay, wait, let's really customize this with how you feel. So we we also do a food diary and it's not to count calories because we don't count calories. We count chemicals. Um, It's more, well, how do you feel after you have that? Do you feel, how's your mood? How are you emotionally? and How are you physically? Did you get gas, burping, diarrhea, constipation, or were you cranky? Were you tired? Were you, were you jittery? You know, how did you feel after you ate? And so to really tune into that, and it gets to the point where you're like, oh wait, that did this to me. You know, that headache I get every Tuesday. Oh, there's a reason because on Saturday I was eating a big loaf of bread or whatever it may be. You'll be able to really tune into your body, which is key.
0: Yeah, that's. Very key. And I love, um, that it is so detailed and being able to kind of more, uh, be in tune in like intuitively eat, I guess, to some degree, um, when you're doing this whole process, I think is very helpful. Um, So one thing I wanted to kind of dive into is you mentioned getting to the root cause and like functional medicine really gets to the root cause of what's going on. When it comes to infertility, I know you mentioned you have a whole protocol to get to the root cause um, that's really individualized, but can you explain um, or maybe mention a few root causes or things that you have seen along the way um, when it comes to infertility?
1: Yeah. So we see, everyone will come in with their infertility diagnosis and we see different root causes for the same diagnosis. So, so people get myopically focused on the diagnosis and we look at the whole person. So we'll look at the, do a full blood chemistry review. It's not to diagnose, it's to educate. So we look at the your, your blood chem using functional reference ranges um, as opposed to conventional reference ranges. So functional for healthy people, conventional for people with disease, it just flags it earlier. So we've and we'll look at a full thyroid panel, looking at vitamin D, iron, like all of that to figure out, well, what's been missed here? Because a lot of times they'll be like, oh, my blood break's fine. And then it's it's re- really difficult when you have unexplained infertility and you're like, oh, everything's fine. But in functional medicine, if it's unexplained infertility, there, there's, a, there's a reason. So digging deeper with that blood chem review... And we've had people, as I was saying, that have undiagnosed Hashimoto's or undiagnosed celiac disease, undiagnosed um, if they've had really low vitamin D and all, like all of these will Im- impact your body. So it's not necessarily, it's hard to even look back and go, oh, wait, what was that one thing? But it's, it's all the things. So then looking at the blood cam and, and then a lot of times, as I say, the majority of people we work with, there's something going on in the gut that we've had people with multiple parasites, worms, fungal infections. A lot of times people, and this was me too, are, are thinking, oh, let's do the anti-candida diet. I've, you know, I've got candida. I thought I did for years, but can't, but candida or fungal infection is opportunistic. And we will attack that last because it goes into hiding the more you try to starve it out. So, um, and a lot of times with these biofilms that you have when you're when you're working on a, a parasite protocol or a bacterial protocol, you'll remove a layer of biofilms and then underneath you find more. So you did, so you did do the retest and more things come up, but then you can start to start to eliminate those. Um, say majority of people have some sort of food sensitivity. We've got some a, a, a high percentage of people coming in with like a high sensitivity to gluten. So it may not be celiac, um, but it, it can be non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So for, and that's me, so I don't have celiac, but, but it's, it's um, for me, gluten does not make me feel good. And and we find that, so, and then the looking at the gluten test, so we use the LEAP MRT. So if it comes up high on the, on the, the, the LEAP MRT test, which looks like 200 foods and food chemicals, we know that that's, that's an issue, because it, a lot of the times it won't even flag the gluten sensitivity on the LEAP MRT. Another test we use is that GI map and that looks at that, that anti And um, if it comes up there, that could be an indicator. If it comes up high on there, we will recommend that the whole household go gluten-free. So even if your partner's out having a nice beer or having a loaf of bread and coming back, giving you a kiss, if you're sensitive to gluten, those crumbs can then cause, cause um, cause inflammation in your body and, and your, you know, your body mounts an immune response and it can take weeks or months for your body to recover. So we do find a lot of that high gluten sensitivity and we'll recommend a, a gluten-free household. Um, we find um, those are the, the main, like the food sensitivity something going on with the blood work. Like a, a lot of people we work with, there's some sort of thyroid dysfunction, either undiagnosed hypothyroidism. So they're looking, you know, they've been told their TSH is fine and, and, you know, we look at it below 1.5 or they're just looking at the TSH and they're not digging into um, the T3 and T4 the antibodies they've never even had the antibodies run so again if this is not to diagnose this is to educate and then go back to the doctor and say okay let's dig into this further um, and just the pieces that have been missed blood sugar that's dysregulated um, a lot of sleep issues like people with like not getting proper sleep and, and affecting your melatonin um, and so all of these will impact your hormones if you've got a gut infection going on um, you've got a food sensitivity like all, all of this, will affect your hormones. We've had people that you know been told donor eggs for you and then they get pregnant naturally within 5 to 6 months. So um it's different for everyone, but it's it's with functional the functional approach there there's a reason.
0: Mhm. And one thing I wanted to circle back on was leaky gut, because I think when it the food sensitivity testing and uh, people lighting up like on everything, um, I think it's important to talk about leaky gut as to avoid kind of um, getting overly uh, like limited in what someone's able to eat or like for those patients who are coming in and are like, oh my gosh, I can't eat anything. Um, how do you work with that?
1: Yeah, and that's where I had that personally. I literally was doing my, you know, my dairy, my gluten, my corn free, and um, they hadn't addressed the gut infections. Did the food sensitivity test? I, I was in, and I was sensitive to every last thing that I ate. I literally got that food sensitivity test, and I wanted to throw it in the garbage. I was so angry. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And I'm very disciplined with food. Like, I don't. There's no cheat days. I, I, I don't feel good when I don't eat it, and so I got the food piece like nailed in, and I was completely demotivated. So, um, yeah, it is to, to really work on your gut health, and it really is only a snapshot in time. Like I, like I couldn't believe I'm kidding. I can't have avocados, and so I did cut things out for a while. And then, as I worked on my gut health in tandem with this, then I was able to reintroduce it, and I was able to to eat it for a while. I couldn't even have oranges or grapefruit or like all my all these things. I regularly ate apples and all my favorite foods because. So what happened for me? Because I, I potentially had looking back when I was twelve in the mirror, had those dark circles. Potentially, I had these food sensitivities all along. I lived in this cedar house that was sprayed; it had it had um, um, ant infestations in there, so it was sprayed regularly. Inhaled all these environmental toxins. My dog, my dog died at ten from cancer. My brother has blood cancer. I have infertility. Was the fact that I inhaled all these environmental toxins early on? I don't know. And then, um, and then I was then my periods were irregular was put on the birth control pill. And then, and then a line of defense for POF is the birth control pill. I was on it for 10 years. I was on like, I can't even tell you how many rounds of antibiotics, like multiple, multiple rounds of antibiotics. So I completely uh, destroyed all my, all my, my, my gut health with the pill, the antibiotics. I had like the, the, the worst leaky gut thyroid issues, all this stuff, but all through this, I'm, I'm, I haven't been lying in bed. I've still been, you wouldn't even know I was sick. I was still doing my thing, but I was not in optimal health. And, um, and so it is to work on all those things and it's still not a perfect, you know, I'm 49 now. It's not a perfect health, but I I keep finding more, more things. And I'm like, I work on it and, and it gets better.
0: Yeah. Well, and leaky gut is hard to heal to some degree. I mean, I think, um, just for people who don't know leaky gut, essentially the tight junctions are looser, I guess is the easiest way to explain it. And, um, the foods you most commonly eat tend to get through and then your body builds up antigens to them. So you're more reactive and it tends to be to the things you like and enjoy and eat often. Um, and so again, like you mentioned that reintroduction, um, as you begin to heal is super important, um, so that you can still enjoy food as well. Yeah. Cause it, it, in this tight
1: restrictive thing, that's not fun. Like you know, obviously now we're in the middle of a keto craze and a paleo craze. Well, it's really more keto now. So you can go out and get most things. Like there's most menus that will have gluten free, um, and so it's not as a, a weird thing as it used to be. But you know, to restrict it even further, like the AIP diet is can be quite restrictive. But if you're taking out that impl- like taking out that inflammation and it helps you to get pregnant, and then you can reintroduce later as you work in tandem to, to heal the gut, then it's you know, it's, it can be some hard work and that's why it's important to have a coach. Cause you may, you may second guess it, and go, Oh, this is not working. What is all this stuff? But it's, but there's, there's a, like a method and a plan.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned, um, kind of the keto craze. <laughs> Do you have thoughts on that when it comes to fertility as well as intermittent fasting, if you don't mind going there as well?
1: Yeah, like I think with this, we I've interviewed um a woman from my podcast, she's a nourished caveman, I think she's written multiple books on this, and also another woman, Maria Emmervale. Got her name wrong, but she's um she's written, I think, eight books on keto and she did dairy-free keto. So, first of all, with with because we we look at the two two of the top allergens are dairy and gluten. So on keto, if you're having all this dairy and you're intolerant to dairy. And I think I'm seeing over like it can be over 75 percent of the human population are intolerant are intolerant to dairy. So um, if it's giving if you're like wow keto is great because I like to eat my cheese then that might be a problem. So we we like a dairy free approach. Thing with keto you can do a lot of processed processed foods on keto. There's like those keto bars and you know got Costco's just got tons of stuff now with keto. Um, and also the um, what was it? Oh, the, 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 the sugar alternatives swerve, I think something like that. There's a lot of those things, which like with stevia, we, you, you want to make sure everything's organic. Cause a lot of that can be processed. Um, and then also with the fasting, we've seen a lot of people that actually have gone used or done keto with the fasting and it's completely destroyed their period. So, um, it's different for everyone. So we won't recommend, hey, go peel, uh, go paleo or keto or or any of those, because those have worked for someone, but it may not work for you. So we use elimination diet as a gold standard, food sensitivity, testing to, to tweak it, and go from there.
0: I think that's a really important thing to point out, that they work for someone, but they may not work for you. And they can lead to some hormone dysregulation, too. Hmm. Um So, um, the other thing I wanted to talk with you about is blood sugar dysregulation. Um, you brought that up and I'm someone who has PCOS. And so blood sugar is a big issue for me that I, um, am pretty cognizant of. What do you guys do as far as that goes?
1: Yeah. So we, depending on, uh, what's going on there. So there's, there's some, some dietary recommendations that the, the functional nutritionist will recommend. So, uh, typically, um, well, a lot of it too is sleep because if you're getting dysregulated sleep, that can impact your blood sugar levels the entire next day. So digging into the sleep piece of this, um, there's, a, there's, um, there's a whole whack of recommendations actually for low blood sugar, like adding in cinnamon, um, obviously looking at the low glycemic carbs and, and same with fruits, um, going like berries or pears or apples, those sorts of things. Um, and for sugars, you can you can do... You can you can I don't really like stevia, but you can do an organic stevia. Just to make sure it's not processed. Um, like the honey and the maple syrup could be too high on the on the on um, the glycemic index. But you got you you really want to stay away from processed sugar. I think everyone that's going through infertility or anyone really anyone for health should stay away from processed sugar because the processed sugar is made with sugar beets, which are then sprayed with glyphosate, which is a herbicide, which is linked to infertility and a whole host of other health issues. So moving away from processed sugar, like I like um, honey and, and maple syrup. But for, for someone with with um, sugar sugar ish with blood sugar issues, it's really to um, making sure that your sugar is not crashing. So so um, those those low um, you want to do complex carbs, but you just want to make sure you're not if you have a gluten intolerance that you're not. Um, like to look at that first, too, because you can do those complex carbs. It's been recommended in, in the fertility um, diet, the Harvard Nurses Studies, there to look at doing complex carbs. But we say to make sure go gluten free first. So, um, yeah, a few recommendations there, but really, I think a lot of times people haven't even looked at the blood sugar, or they may be told it's normal and, and in functional levels. I don't have the exact levels in, in front of me, but a lot of times we find that people don't even know that their blood sugar is dysregulated.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I like recently on your Instagram page, um, you posted a little uh, picture that says supplements have a place, but it's only a small part. Yeah, and can you talk to that? I think that's a really, really good. uh,
1: I can't tell you how many women I speak to on a regular basis who are taking like bags of supplements. The the vitex, the maca, the bee pollen, the 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 royal jelly, the um, the CoQ ten, the the um, maybe a probiotic, the prenatal, like tons of stuff. And I did this too when I was trying to figure out my health. I had bags of that stuff, but I didn't really know why I was taking it and what it was for. So. You know, for our protocol, there will be supplements, and there may be a lot in the beginning, but you will know exactly why you're taking them, and they're all based on the testing, and they are only for three to four months. You won't be taking bags of supplements forever, and a lot of times with supplements, we only will recommend professional-grade supplements. A lot of supplements are filled with, um, first of all, there's allergens, so I have a lot of people with fertility, and they're taking wheatgrass. So if you have a high gluten sensitivity or celiac, wheatgrass is just not not recommended at all. Even if people are like, "Ooh, wheatgrass is healthy." No, it's not recommended if you have you have a high a high sensitivity to gluten or celiac. So um, and those are in a lot of supplements. So wheatgrass is in a lot of supplements. We found that regularly. Um, so there's allergens in there. There's dyes. There's fillers. So you're thinking you're taking this great supplement, but if it hasn't been vetted properly, you could be like that whole self-prescribing thing. It's just very, very dangerous because, again, it may have worked for someone, but may not work for you. And so, and you, and even people are spending a lot of money on this for the wrong supplements. And so, it's part of a functional approach, but it's not the whole thing. The whole, you know, looking at your supplements, but the diet and lifestyle piece of this is is equally important. And like I have people say, oh, just you know, is there is there a pill I could take for that? Well, you can't out supplement a, a like a bad mindset or or a poor diet. You you've got to do th- like the, the work over there. Um, the supplements can be definitely part of the equation, but just that self-prescribing piece can just lead to poor results and not not like fast results. And so we will tweak things for people, and um, they just it just they get faster results.
0: Yeah. Totally. And that's, I love saying it's not about a pill for every ill or a supplement for every symptom, right? So really getting to the foundation of what's going on, the root cause, making those diet and lifestyle changes instead of trying to just kind of supplement your way out of those. Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes make. So um, you did mention a couple of times birth control pills too. What are your thoughts on birth control pills when it comes to infertility?
1: So I speak to a lot of women again who have been on long-term hormonal birth control and a lot of the times when I ask them so a lot of times when I ask them why they went on it it wasn't for prevention it was for oh wait I had heavy periods oh wait I had acne oh I had regular cycles or I had painful cycles so there was a they were placed on it by their doctor to help with this issue so it's a band-aid approach and then when they go off again they are coming to me because they, the issues are still there, and now they're potentially dealing with infertility. Obviously not everyone that goes on the pill is gonna deal with infertility, is what I'm saying, but a lot of the times people I ask, I like would say 90% of people, why did you go on it? There was an issue beforehand, and same for me. I went on it because of acne and irregular cycles. And that's the first line of defense, so Band-Aid approach. And really, so the birth control pill can impact your nutrient levels. You can eat this beautiful, healthy diet. Your body won't be able to absorb the, 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 the nutrients, as well as it um, will impact your, the, the health of your gut predisposing you into those food sensitivities and gut infections. So it's just, um, I had uh, Jolene, Dr. Jolene Brighton on the podcast and she is the author of um, post birth control pill syndrome. Well, oh, she's, yes. she's, she's, coined, she's coined that term.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Post birth control pill syndrome. And um it's 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 kind of a epidemic where we're kind of where we're for women's health to be able to pres- prescribe this for issues and the women are coming off and and having a lot of like when I speak to someone that's been on the birth control for you know 10, 20 years and now they're trying to get pregnant and they went on it for not for prevention it's um, I don't know I just think it's it's a aid approach and it's got really drastic consequences and also there's, there's, there's side effects up to including death. Like why, why is this something we want to take? Like my daughter is about to turn 18. And it was funny when she was 16, she started having some painful periods and cramps. And, you know, I'm talking about all this hell stuff. And she's like, hey, I'm not going to listen to you. I, I want to go to the doctor. I said, okay, let's go to the doctor and see what the doctor says. What, you know, when you have painful periods and cramps and all, you know, regular, it's not a regular, but was very heavy. And the first thing he said is, well, why don't we get you on the pill? And she looks over at me. I'm like, okay, see, so it's, um, looking at like a fertility awareness method, like a daisy tracker, um, yeah, speak
0: to the daisy for a second for people who aren't aware of the daisy. Cause it yeah, is,
1: yeah, yeah, D-A-Y-S-Y. And I had um, Holly Greg Spall, and she's the author of Sweetening the Pill, and she is a DAISY ambassador. So she came on and talking about, so it's for, it'll track for fertility as well as it tracks for um, um, to, for, for prevention. So it will track your most, it's basically, it's a, um, a thermometer, and then you're, you're taking your, ten- your temperature every morning, and then it syncs to an app and, and you don't need the birth control pill you you can sync to the app and see exactly your most fertile days we think we're fertile all month long we're not and really it'll it'll track when you are and you can abstain during those days and know what you you know know what you need to to, to do so it's just really um thinking really getting to know your body and i think a lot of times like the fertility awareness method for figuring out your cervical mucus, and um, a good podcast for this and expert on on this whole side of things is Lisa Hendrickson, Jack, and she's from Fertility Friday. Her that's her podcast. If you want to learn more about the fertility awareness method, she's awesome. She's been on my my podcast a couple of times. She's her book is the uh, Fifth Vital Sign. But um, yeah, from a fertility stand, standpoint, the the Daisy Tracker is good and. I think it's just um, getting to know your body again. We've outsourced all this stuff. So, you know, looking at your cervical mucus and any kind of cervical mucus is fertile. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so transitioning into self-care, I love you have posted a few things recently about self-care and I think you had an episode on it as well and Mm -hmm. listening to your body. Can you talk to the importance of self-care and then I'll transition into one of the questions I always ask is what is one thing you consistently do for self-care as well?
1: Yeah. Like self-care is really important. We talk about this a lot with the the couples that we work with and, um, it can be mani petties, but it's more, um, like saying no, setting boundaries, um, actually prioritizing things that are important to you. So when you're saying no, then you're setting you know, things that work to your values and going and, and doing things that feel right for you. So prioritizing your sleep, prioritizing your food, making sure that you've, Done the grocery shopping. So when you open up the fridge, there's food in there and you can make an awesome lunch or dinner for yourself or breakfast. Um, so like those kind of basic things for self-care, making sure you, you know, you can sit down and enjoy a meal with your partner, um, home cooking where you take time to prepare a nice meal and sit down together. Um, you know, getting out in nature or whatever it feels for you, if it's nature or if it's um, Wherever your your kind of happy place is. Those kind of things where we get caught up, everyone's like, I'm busy, busy, busy. Like we're all busy. But to be able to prioritize what really like fuels your soul that makes you feel really good. And for me, I like walking. Um, I like being outside. So I walk my dog a couple times a day, twice a day. And um yeah, I really like to be in nature and I'm in Canada, so it's, um, it's outside of Toronto. So it's, uh, it can be cold in the winter, but I force myself to go, out, to go out there and I love summer more I'm definitely a summer person, but um, I, I will go out 365, rain, snow for my walks and um, and also for self-care, we help right, couples, we encourage them to, to start meditating and really to get quiet every day because that's really the gateway to when you start getting quiet and start being aware of some of your thoughts and then you can you can start to move forward to make some of these changes because sometimes we think it's it's too much too much or it's overwhelming and so getting quiet and if five minutes a day is too much you start with one minute and this is something that took me forever to do so a couple of years ago I, I got really serious about about the meditation and now I'm like oh yeah it, like it just really grounds me
0: great and what does nourish mean to you? Yeah, I think it really, like, the nourish
1: piece is the food you eat, so making sure that you sit down and and really eat healthy food to, like, I used to eat a bunch of stuff that was, like, a brown plate. Now there's, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, and to me, the the, the eating piece is is equally important, as well as, like, nourishing your soul. I love reading, so I've been reading, like, a fiend this summer, like, I can't stop reading. Anyway, um, but yeah, (laughs) reading... (laughs) And, um, and it's been, I've been reading a lot of fiction books because all otherwise like I go down the nonfiction rabbit hole too, which, which is, it's just fun. But before bed, you don't want to do that. But yeah, for me, it's, it's in the nourish piece would be eating really good foods, doing things where you're like, ah, oh, this is so good. And if you have a good, sh- like a favorite show or something that you, that you want to watch, you don't want to mindlessly surf, but now we can, we can. We can figure out, you know, find a, a show that if you're going down for hours and you can't, and you're late going to bed because you're stuck doing the show, that's a different story. But if you're like, okay, one episode and it makes you feel good, you laugh, cry, whatever you need to do. Um, yeah, that's to me is nourishing. Like you, you deserved it, feel good. Why are we waiting for vacations twice a year to to have that every day? Like something that makes you feel good.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And since you mentioned it, I have to ask, what's the best book you've read lately?
1: Um. Okay. What did I? Oh, I just read. Um. Uh, oh, what's her name? So, um. Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, Lost oh, City of Girls. That was really good. And um, another one. Normal. Oh my goodness. What's it called? Normal People. Um. Oh, I can't remember. It's all on my Kobo. Um. It's like a Kindle for in Canada. Uh, but yeah, the the City of Girls was really good. And um. Oh, <laughs> I'm blanking now on the book. That's okay. Yeah, that one was I enjoyed that one, and um, it's another one that was actually kind of fun. For years, I used to listen to Howard Stern because I just thought he was so funny. And then he's got a new, uh, and he obviously people have their some strong opinions on that. But I hadn't listened to him in over ten years because I was just kind of done with it. And then now he went and he went through therapy and realized what an idiot he was when he was interviewing people, and he really wanted to kind of create a legacy for his 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 family his children so he wrote this this his third book uh come again of course it's rude but a rude a crude title but um it was really good it was all his interviews with celebrities and um you know normal well not normal mostly celebrities and night um talk show people and and things like that but um or the late night talk show hosts he has a lot of that and comedians and he would he's like you know for every guest that would come in he goes i would spend like Hours and days researching them, and then really instead of before he would blast off and say these horrible, inane comments, and now he's like, "I, I realized what an idiot I was," and so now I've been able to. Um, when he would he would ask questions, it would be more uh, thoughtful questions, and really was able to get a lot of good things out of them. So I was listening to it because I wanted to see his style for for interviewing because I interview people on the podcast, but
0: it was a really good book. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, cool. That's a good one. Huh. All right. Well, it was so nice talking with you. And if people are interested and want to connect with you or find out more about you, um, I will link everything up in the show notes, but go ahead and tell us where we can find you.
1: Yeah. So you can check me out on the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast. It's on iTunes and um Spotify. And then also I've got a get pregnant, sorry, a a free what's it called? A fertility diet freebie. And so it's a three-day fertility diet challenge. So you can get with your partner, do some cooking, get some chef-prepared recipes, and it's all um, uh, free of the top allergens. And so that's at fertilitydietfreebie, F-R-E-E-B-I-E.com.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Nourish and Shine. I hope that you enjoy this episode and that you'll leave me a review on iTunes so that more people can hear the podcast. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love to hear your questions, so please send them my way. Also, you can check out my website. It's amysopola.com. I hope that today's interview provided you with some inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and to live a whole vibrant life. Please join me again next week for another amazing interview. Have a wonderful week. The information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or condition. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your medical provider.